Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I am your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 178. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez. That's at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm good. I watched the game live for once. We won. March Madness is about to begin, so I'm in my happy place. Nobody cares about your happy place. And you're not in your happy place. We all know you're not in your happy place uh, for reasons we're going to discuss in a little bit. But before we get started, um, I do need to announce that the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier, which gets you access to this podcast right here every Friday. Pod Strickland with me and Prez. You also get access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where we commiserate about the Knicks, uh, more so today than most days, uh, and many other things. If you want more content, there's a $9 tier, which gets you access to a pod, my solo pod, uh, where I yell even more about the Knicks. You also, much more importantly, get access to weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best writers period in any genre that exists out there if you want more content more benefits there are further tiers there's a 50 dollars tier 30 dollars tier 50 dollars tier and a hundred dollar tier those will get you access to things like discounts on merchandise you can listen in on pod recordings we have live watch parties even potentially hosting a podcast yourself one day but whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, uh, all right, look, um, we can talk about the game, but... Let's do the game first. All right, cool. Uh, a game happened. positive, bro. Yeah, a game <laughs> happened. Um, the Blazers fucking suck, and they're not playing anybody, and the Knicks took care of business because R.J. Barrett was on fire to start the first half. I think that Trenton Watford and Chris Dunn and uh, Super Saiyan Josh Hart were not enough to get the job done. Yeah, I, I, like Chris Dunn having a nice game is the perfect example of why stats on a team like the Blazers right now mean absolutely nothing. Like they yeah. literally mean absolutely nothing because. If you look at his line, it looks good, and he didn't have a bad game or anything. I'm not even saying like he played. No, bad, yeah, but, he was fine. Man. Yeah, but it me it it just meant nothing. Like there was no, there's honestly not a point in that game where I felt like the Knicks were in any danger of losing it. Um, where there were certainly stretches where they were really fucking annoying and they played like assholes. Um, but like they were at half intensity for about 80% of that game 
and literally, I mean, that that's, I think even that's generous. I feel like they were just in cruise control from the beginning, and the Blazers had nothing to even, like, threaten them for being so casual. The Blazers had 31 personal fouls, and it felt like more than that. Like, it felt like, it just, Julius and RJ and Quickly and, and those three, and RJ, um, oh, I said RJ, but those three in particular, but even other guys were like, it just, this batch of basketball players on the Trailblazers were, uh, yeah, they were just kind of out there fouling and shooting. And like, the crazy part is they hit a lot of tough shots and they still only scored 98. So, you know, they're not, they're really not messing around. They're in it to win it with the ping pong balls, man. Yeah, I'm not sure how much they can drop. And the funny thing is the West is so fucking bad that, like, they've gone 1-10, and 10, I think, now in their, 11, in their last 11. And they have the most absurdly shitty net rating. I think it was, like, minus 25 over that span. It's probably lower after tonight. Um, and they have gained one game. Like, yeah. they're, they're <laughs> one game behind the Pelicans, who, you know, shout out to their in, in just, you know, gigantic vociferous fan base um, who has been really celebrating the fact that they at one point a week ago had a better record than the Knicks. Um, so shout out to them. I know that's a really big day for them to be ahead of a team that two years ago um, they had a lot of fun making fun of and, and insulting and uh, celebrating their own future over. So, um, you know, shout out to them. They're better than the Knicks. Maybe not I really. Don't... I don't know when that uh, where the protection threshold is for that New Orleans pick. Ten. It's ten. Okay, so then. So if they get yeah. a top ten pick, it's, it's theirs. Yeah. No, no, no. It's theirs. Oh, oh, oh. I think. No, I think so, no, no. So what it is is, if it's like, if it's four, I think it's top four protected. Yeah, I think it's top four protected. So like, if it's a top four pick, they get it. But anything else. Portland, Portland gets. gets it. Okay, that makes sense because I'm on Tankathon right now and it has them getting the Pelicans' ninth pick and then having their own eighth pick, which combined gives them a 10.5% chance, chance of the number one pick, which is the same as the current uh, Pacers' odds. So it's hard. Like you said, it's hard out there to really. You can't just be late into the tanking game like Portland is. You got to be there from the get-go, like Houston, Orlando, and Detroit, and OKC. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. OKC is just, I just, I, I just can't with them. It's that like, was that press release they had a while back with the triple KO. Well, that shit was. I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> I think the funniest thing about that is like they must have gotten the memo that like SGA was not trying to get shut down again, mm-hmm. so they were like. All right, well, we got to figure out how we can still tank if he's not shut down. And they were just like, well, you three are done for the season. Congratulations, guys. You can go home. They made sure Lou Dort was, was, was one of them. They were like, you know, two-way player, he's out of there. <laughs> they threw him out of there like a ump tossing out a manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's look, I mean, look, I, I, don't, I honestly could not tell you what to take out of this game from the perspective of, like, how to evaluate it. I mean, it's here's what I would say is it's good that a game like this, where you're supposed to handle your business that forget Randall, who I thought played just honestly, like one of the most miserable 21, eight and seven games you'll ever watch in your life. 
Um, other, you know, forget Fournier, forget Burks, like forget forget Randall. It's good that you have a game that you should smack around the other team, and your young guys smack around that other team. Like they they didn't had they had no issues scoring on them. I thought their defense was an issue at times, but that was mostly because Jericho Sims is kind of like a deer in the headlights right now when you have him play drop coverage and pick and roll. It's so um, weird that he's that he's better at the other coverages than drop coverages because you just assume anybody with his physical gifts will be able to fall back on that with drop. But he's really like, yeah, you're right. Like his timing isn't great in drop. And then on top of that, like, it's similar to Obi where their vert going forward or to the side is like a hundred inches and then backpedaling. It's like a third of that. And they also like, he just doesn't make the ball handler feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable at all. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's like, like, like today I'll give it like, I, I thought today he actually did a much better job of like not conceding the role, but also mm-hmm. just not letting the ball handler get all the way to the rim. Yeah. Super playing easy. Too. Yeah. Like he, he did a much better job of that. But even then, like, you could tell the ball handler never felt him. Like, he was never threatening them. And, um, you know, like, I thought there were times where Deuce or or Quick or whoever uh, maybe didn't do the best job of staying attached. But, like, uh, in instances where they did, even, it didn't really matter because it just felt like they knew once they kind of got in between you know, the Jericho and whoever was guarding the screen, once they were in that kind of like in between spot, Jericho is really never going to threaten them. And then you could, you could just see the difference between that. And when Mitch was in there where it was like, they were ter- they, they had, they, they were not getting any of that joy. Um, so like, look, I, I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. I'm not, I don't think it's a it's bad just thing. Interesting. It's just more of an interesting observation. Yeah. And it's just also like, this is, so like I, like long term, you want to lean more into his strengths. Like you want to, and that doesn't mean he should never play drop. It's just like you also want to leverage the fact that he's better at these other uh, more aggressive coverages, like blitzing, trapping. You yeah, know, it's not that it's not, it's not that different from like how it used to be with Mitch. Like even back when Mitch was summer, like we didn't really take advantage of his quickness. We just threw him in drop all the time. You want to mix it up. Yeah, exactly. Just mix it up. And, um, you know, like, it is what it is. Like, he's got to get better and drop. And today was a really good game for him to just get a bunch of drop reps and, like, get his ass kicked a bit because <laughs> it was never going to threaten him. Like, it, it was the game was really never in the balance. And it, it was just a good game for him to, like, get a bunch of reps. So that's why I like his versus second units instead of Taj Gibson. Right. And, and it's also just like, but this is exactly why, um, you know, it doesn't really matter. Whatever. I, I just think, like, it's good to have a game where, you know, Jericho struggled a bit. But, like, other than that, I mean, I thought quickly dominated his I thought, kind of I matchup. I thought it was a particularly good game for quickly. Not, like, I mean, yes, statistically, but just for his... He, you, we've seen him continue to kind of get his swag back a little bit um, with the drives and the jump shooting and the random like verticality contest at the rim and all that. So he's he's clicking on on all gears right now and he still he still had in the first half a couple of those moments of like I have this open shot but I'm trying to get everybody involved so I'm not going to shoot it even though I I want to shoot it. And then later he was just like fuck it I'm going to shoot it. <laughs> and it started going in. 
Yeah, and and you know, I think he's still trying to figure out that balance, but like it's better. I think his passing is way better. Um, again, I, I don't want to make too much of like anybody's performance in this game because the Blazers are like. I mean, they're just they're the tankiest team in the NBA right now. Yeah. So like, like if you think about where like Detroit is a little bit like fake, not the worst right now, just because guys like Kate are figuring it out and whatever. And Houston, oh, they've covered their like last seven or eight spreads at this point. I've just been betting them like it's they've been really competitive lately. Um, Four and six in their last ten, and then Houston. Houston has still been super ass, but at least like. Green's you would never know it. Out. You would never know it if you follow Houston Rockets Twitter or any of their beat writers. Uh, you would think the Rockets are putting together a hell of a stretch, like just fucking beating the shit out of a bunch of teams or something. It's so the Rockets are so weird. It's what a that's a whole topic for another podcast. Like they just decided they were going to send back Garuba because there's not minutes to to have him crack their rotation. And I'm like, word, the team with the worst record in the NBA can't find minutes for their first round pick from last year who was already playing professionally. (laughs) Wait, where did they send him? Back to the G League, where he's been most of the year when he wasn't hurt. I thought I thought he was shut down for the year, wasn't he? Didn't he get injured or something? He did. He just came back, though. And he was fine. He he got some minutes in uh, the G League, and then he came back, I think, for two games. He didn't play much. Um, but I saw some clips of uh, some of his defense and a three-pointer, blah, blah, blah. And I saw some parts of Rockets Twitter like, why why can't Garuba play a little bit more? This seems a little crazy. And then they just sent him back, and they literally said, and the team's explanation was like, yeah, we didn't feel like there was enough minutes for him to break into the rotation and get a feel for his game right now. Which, I mean, like, I guess if you want him to play, like, 30 minutes a game or something, fine, but, like, Damn, y'all got the worst record, bro. I don't know if that excuse flies. <laughs> I mean, it's... I don't really care about them. That's their problem. Um, <laughs> it's not but, unlike some of our problems. That's why I bring it up. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to, to think about. Um, yeah, look, I, getting back to this game, I just it's really tough to get a read on anything. It was nice to see Deuce make a shot. It was nice to see him get some extended run. Um I I would like for him to get more opportunities to just do stuff on ball, but like it seems that's not forthcoming with how, however we're running our offense currently. Nope. Um, and whatever. I've just I'm gonna it accept that. It is what that. it is, yeah, right? I'm like, gonna that's, accept it that. It is what it is for this season. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's freaking it's fucking annoying. Um, but yeah, it was just nice to see him get a bunch of run and. I also liked seeing. Um, I like that Obi today just was like, "Yeah, no, nah, I'm just shooting it every fucking time." Like I'm, I'm shooting the ball. If I'm in the corner and you throw it to me, I'm shooting every fucking time. I don't care. He did not hesitate. He took a contested three. Uh, it that's was, that. That's that blowout confidence. That's you need that every now and then. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, "Yep, I don't care." Um, I enjoyed that. I thought, you know quickly was like you mentioned he was good rj was really like the thing is rj is at that level now where if he's playing a really bad team he's going to score and he's going to score efficiently it it was like it was like surgical it was no they didn't stand a prayer like this team is it doesn't surprise me like because 
I, I mean, every time I check the Blazers score, they, it's like lose by 25, lose by 35, lose by 40 or whatever. And so, like, dudes like RJ, players who can just get to the paint at will, and if they can shoot, RIP, like, automatic work. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a joke for him. It was like, yeah. there's no, I mean, it's cool. I like it. It's, it's nice to have a guy where you're like, I mean, this is this is why I do think like he's ultimately a better player than Julius. Um, is Julius clearly was way better than that matchup? Like he was way better than the matchup, but he couldn't just be surgical. Like he can't just be surgical like that and just like get you an efficient thirty, even though he has every mismatch in the world against that team. Because his the only- process is all is all screwy. And he was able to do that last year because his jump shot was so reliable that he was like, oh, you can't you have someone smaller, I, I'm either gonna go to the hoop and if I'm gonna be Kobe now. Right, or I do my Kobe <laughs> my my like my Kobe impression and or whatever. But now it's he's so he's such a weird I, I've never seen a twenty, ten and five player like Julius man. It's the weirdest fucking thing. He's he had one play where he was demolished one, two, three blazers physically, like under the rim, going from the right side of the baseline, and he was just like, "I'm." He had the entire right side of the hoop open. He was like, "I'm not shooting this right-handed," and just <laughs> and he just took like a, a like a left-handed flip shot, and it almost went in, and it didn't go in. But like, that's what I'm. He doesn't have that adaptability right now because. The mid-range isn't reliable, and, you know, it, at the rim, he's he's a bull, and he's strong enough that he, that works a lot of the time, but, like, it's not like these other players who, like, oh, if the defense does one thing, I have a counter for the other thing. It's, it's like he has to do these three few things that he does, like a spot-up jumper, maybe after a pump faker holding onto the ball, you know, one of these mid-range shots, some of them will fall, some of them won't, or, like his big man stuff around the rim on the left side of the rim specifically. <laughs> and that's good enough to get you 20 cause he's talented, but like it, it, I, ju- I just really miss the surgical Julius from last year where it, it was na- last year when it, when it was Julius time, you're like, okay, the counters are all lined up. There's nothing they can do to stop all of them. That's it. Now it's just kind of him farting around to a twenty ten and nine game or whatever, which isn't the worst problem to have. Um, well, not against against a team like this, it doesn't matter. They, they it doesn't suck. matter. Yeah. yeah, they suck. Like they suck, and he can do his bullshit and he can get to the line seven hundred times, and right. that's cool. But like, right. you know, it's just I just like the difference between him and RJ is so palpable at this point. I mean, even like like I, I know Randall had a bunch of assists, and I would tell you watching that game, I did not feel like he had some great playmaking game. They were I, they were all in the first quarter. He had six in the first quarter, that's why. <laughs> and yeah, well not just that. I would I would love to go back and see some of these six. I'm watching them right now. Yeah. Yeah. The first one was like a basic swing pass, you know, shit like that. The next one was transition. Okay, yeah. that one was kind of nice. But <laughs> Yeah, the one to RJ in the corner yeah. probably, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like like he like he had some nice passes, don't get me wrong, but it's like like the and this is this is what drives me nuts, right? He didn't score well in the first quarter. So as soon as he got back into the second quarter, RJ's rolling. He's got 21 on like 10 shots or something. Like he is cooking. He's he's in rhythm. He's got it going. Soon as Randall checks in, it's Julius. I tweeted it out. I'm like, it's our Julius Randall. 
thinks it's Julius Randle time. And like, that's what it was. Like he came in and he's like, oh, sure. All right. I got to get my shots up. I got to get like, I got six assists. All right. Now it's time for me to get my 14 God, points. Right. God forbid I go the whole game without shooting a bunch when we're up a ton. Right. Yeah. Like, like it's God like he had, to, he had to get his shots up. He had to get his points because he's got to hit like that mythical threshold of whatever he has deemed is like a good performance for him. Um, and, and that's what it was for the rest of the second quarter and for a lot of the third quarter. And like, again, it doesn't matter when you're playing a team this bad, but this is the stuff that like, this is why I think so many times there's such like crazy up and downs with Julius and with the team during games, because there's just like, they can't just stick to what's working or whatever. It's always like, They've got to, okay, RJ has it going, but now we got to get Evan going. Or, okay, Evan has it going, but like Randall hasn't scored enough yet. So now we got to get him going. And it's just like, there's never any just uh, cohesive, like, play between the two almost. Yeah, it's like a fantasy basketball team, but in real life or something. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. But, I, I again, it was nice to just see them like beat the shit out of a team, get a win, have the young guys play well. Uh, I don't want to harp too much on the individual distribute minutes distribution in this game, but uh, all right, now we've beaten around the bush enough. Let's talk about it. Uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report today had a report which uh, put to bed, or at least temporarily, or claims to put to bed uh, any notion of Tom Thibodeau being removed as head coach after the end of, after the season. Um, it says that uh, Thibodeau is expected to remain the Knicks' head coach beyond this 2021-22 season. League sources told Bleacher Report. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Like, I, I will say this. The one thing I found interesting about this article very specifically is... This is what it says at one point. Um, New York stands five and a half games outside the plan, blah, 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 blah. Uh, uh, you know, and there has been some internal support to move on from the NBA's reigning coach of the year, sources said. This has been reported now here. Obviously, it has been reported previously by Stefan Bondi, by Mark Berman, by, I think, even, I, 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 would, I don't know if Begley has reported it, but he has insinuated that there might be some type of kind of pressure on Tibbs to perform before any of this stuff. And he could be in danger at the end of the season, if not, but even though he won't be right now. Um, but there's been a lot of reporting on this. Uh, and in this article, it obviously stated that league sources, it also mentioned, uh, you know, that's the danger of overperforming, said one rival team strategist. You set this, set this expectation. And I DM'd you and Jeremy this, but like, I find it very interesting that apparently the Knicks execs are like very, they seem, at least some of them, which I'm assuming in this case are Worldwide West and Brock Aller, are comfortable with moving on from Tibbs. And that the voices in this article that are like, expressing some kind of like concerns over that move or you know anything like that the, the the people that are expressing like oh no it's been rough for him like it's been a tough season injuries all stuff they're all league sources and rival team execs and shit 
I find that very interesting. It's probably because Tom Thibodeau is such a endearing figure uh, around the league, and people just love him so much. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. I, will, I mean, actually, no, I do not make it. I think it sucks. Um, I don't think he should be the head coach moving forward. We can get into plenty of reasons why, but uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of speak on it as I've rambled here long enough. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. You cust- new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round? And who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college troops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook 21+. plus. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. If you or someone else you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. That's for Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's for Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. For Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Visit httpccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut 1-800-BETS-OFF that's for Iowa 1-877-770-STOP and or text 7867 or sorry that's 7867 uh, for <laughs> Louisiana 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 New York visit opgr.org for Oregon call text TN call or text TN Redline one 800 889-9789 Tennessee or 188-532-3500 for Vermont. 21 plus, 18 or over in New Hampshire or Wyoming. Must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Vermont, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See HTTP DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Yeah, I mean, the report was was pretty disheartening. Um, and I don't know if it's correlated to our recent surge of fake competence, um, if I'm being generous. No, you know, it's not even fucking fake competence. This is why this shit is fucking annoying. It is. It's real competence. You want to know why it's real competence? Because he's playing these young guys more, and magically the team is playing better. I mean, it's probably a big fucking coincidence <laughs> that that because he has injuries, and now he's actually been forced to deviate from his bullshit fucking preordained, you know, like fucking. It's like he's like what is it like in, ten, in the Ten Commandments? Like Moses went up there and fucking God like told him what the Ten Commandments were. That's like that's like how Tibbs thinks he comes up with the rotation every year. Like, he goes up fucking Mount Sinai, and God comes down and is like, these are the ten guys that will be in your rotation, Tom Thibodeau. And, like, that's it. There's the ten fucking men of his rotation are set in stone, and you cannot change that come hell or high water. Uh, but guess what? Hell and high water came in the form of injuries, in the form of COVID, 
whatever the fuck, in the form of bullshit made up Kemba uh, mutually, you know, he's fucking going back to get his shit right. <laughs> real quick, real quick, like, oh, I'm happy you brought that up, the the injuries and the COVID and all that, because um, I had an exchange with one of my buddies on Twitter, and, you know, I, I, I was a little more spicy on Twitter than perhaps I normally am. Um, which is yeah. Like usually my, you're just like sauce for you. Yeah, usually, <laughs> usually you're just like on Twitter, like tweeting about some random fucking seventy eighth round prospect that's like you're like my son, free him. And people are like, who the fuck free, is this guy? Free my, free my son from Western North Dakota Agricultural <laughs> Extension or whatever. <laughs> Talk soon. <laughs> I emojis. No, but like, <laughs> like the thing with Tim, people like people. It, it's a pattern from place to, I mean, there's a lot of patterns with Tibbs, but one of the patterns is like he, he comes somewhere, he finds success with a roster that works. And then when deviation from that roster um, would be ideal timing wise or changing in strategy would be ideal timing wise, he doesn't do it. And then something external happens to change the rotation, whether it's injuries or a big trade for like Jimmy Butler, those are the two ways that those are the only two ways that he really deviates from his plan is like, you know, Derek Rose gets injured and now Joe Kim Noah is, has to be your point center. Weird shit like that has to happen or COVID a pandemic has to happen. Um, and so it's, you know, a lot of people will be like, Oh, like he won't coach of the year. You didn't just forget how to coach, but literally like, what happens is he does a poor job adjusting beyond the initial strategy he comes up with when he's coaching a team because that initial strategy is often good. It looks like he literally forgot to coach because teams adapt to your team, your roster changes, other rosters change and you have to adapt. The coaching is not a static thing. It's almost like a, like a baseball player adapting from one at bat to the next. Like you have to change how you coach. Tibbs even has talked at talked ad nauseum about how coaching in the playoffs is entirely different than coaching in the playoffs. Well, coaching the second season, even with similar players, is different from coaching the first season. And he doesn't really adjust that way. So it's it is bittersweet that now things that have forced him to not even make big changes, just little changes, you know, like RJ with the bench. Remember, like he's doing that now and he's chefing, but remember half the season went by before we could get RJ with the bench. Like some listeners of the pod may have forgot. That was something me and Schwinn were fucking beating the drum for, for months. And now it's one of those things that we take for granted, but like, there's no, there's literally no reason that Tibbs needed to wait until the fucking holidays of last year, of last winter, to see that, right? Like, there's there's no reason. There's there's still plenty left on the table of plenty low-hanging fruit, right? Like, he still does the Julius Burke. Like, we don't even have to detail all that shit right here. You can find that on the internet if you want. Lots of people smarter than me have written about it. Um, people who have coached in the league have written about it. So uh, go check that out if you really want to. Um, it's, it's just, nobody's saying this is the, the difference between, you know, this Knicks team being the fifth seed or something like that. The Eastern Conference is much better. Everybody acknowledges that. But there's no reason for this team to be six, seven games behind the Hornets who have been just as bad as the Knicks for a ton of the year, 
and have even had Gordon Hayward injured for a ton of the year. And like, I don't want to hear it. Like, like, oh, like Miles Bridges and Terry Rozier and Lamelo Ball. Like, guys, those guys aren't. Are any of those guys all stars? No. Then shut the fuck up. Like, they're not that talented. That team isn't good. They don't have. You think the Knicks center rotation is bad? Go look at their center rotation. It's six foot seven, PJ Washington, and like whoever the fuck else they bring. Like one, like the Zeller stunt double number five or whatever. Like it's, it's really, we're not asking for the team to be 500. We're asking for good process because that results in closing out games on the rare chance that your players like RJ and Julius are hot. You know, like it results in better development for those young players like RJ and IQ and OV. So it's really just, I don't know. I, it, I, I, when I first read that Fisher article, I didn't get the sense that it was, it was this fake competence. I think Fisher, and you could, you tell me what you thought of it. It seemed to me like Fisher was framing, uh, Tibbs staying on and getting a little bit of a chance next year as more of a, uh, a, a lifesaver boat from Leon Rose than it was having to do with anything recent with this Knicks team. You know, they were basically saying like, okay, there was a lot of injuries and Leon Rose empathizes with that, even though we know at least one Nick exec worldwide West is a hundred percent not down with that shit. Yeah. I think there were a few things that were interesting in this article. Um, I, I don't, to be, I'll be completely honest. I think the entire media angle is bullshit. I think it's like, yeah. I think these guys have such a, like, they are such, they love like, just touching their own dicks in every article. Like, oh, like, Leon Rose won't talk to us. He's so scared. Like, Tom Thibodeau. For people who didn't read it, what Schwinn's saying is there was there was a very explicit line of speculation in the article as saying one of the main reasons that Leon Rose was worried about firing his hand-picked front coach is that he'd have to confront the media about that. As if as if him doing that in, like... The thing is, no, no, this is why it's bullshit, okay? This is, it I'll is. tell you exactly why it's bullshit. The reason it's bullshit is, the, 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 op, like, basically what that insinuates, it's almost like, when everything was good last year, that Leon was out there, like, dapping up media guys, fucking, you know, demanding his praise, having press conferences left and right. Like, the guy hasn't talked no matter what, good or bad. Good or bad, he's not talked. You can be upset about that if you want, you cannot give a shit. Like, I personally mostly do not give a shit. It doesn't matter. But he has not talked. Whether good or bad, he has not talked. So now that they're losing, we're getting this fucking asinine bullshit narrative that, oh, he doesn't want to fire Tibbs because then you'll have to talk to us and we're so mean and, like, we're so scary. Like, who the fuck is scared of you? Everybody thinks you're a fucking joke. Everybody thinks you're a joke. You got Berman out here getting sunned to death by Julius Randle in the midst of, like, his whatever emotional state has been this year. And you've got, Ber- like, Mitch clowning this fucking guy every time he gets in front of the in, in front of the camp. Like, it's a joke. These guys want, they, these guys think they're Walter Cronkite. Who the fuck are you? You're nobody. You're fucking Jerry Springer. Maybe. If you're lucky. I don't know. I don't even know. Like you, they're they're bullshit. They they cannot talk about basketball, and they can't have. They can never generate a controversy that's actually related to basketball. 
If you'll if you ever notice this, no controversy with the Knicks is ever about like it's not about like, oh, the Knicks have gone three and seventeen over the last twenty and they keep blowing seventy-eight point leads. Uh, you know, but that's just because the talent's not good enough and the front office didn't get you know, Tom Thibodeau, a true fucking point guard, and uh, shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Like, I'm so sick and tired of these, these guys. They can't talk about basketball. They got to talk about anything but basketball. So now, now what they want to fucking talk about, oh, Leon Rose doesn't want to talk to the press. Shut the fuck up. I wouldn't want to talk to you either. And guess what? <laughs> Talking to you doesn't make you good at your job. Donnie Walsh, all this fucking guy did was hold court and fucking tell you all his plans. What did that get the Knicks? Absolutely fucking nothing. It got us a max contract for Amari fucking Stoudemire, who we had to like, who we got, what, like 80% of one good season out of? You know, like, I, it's I don't... Just, it's, just, it's just bullshit trauma from like the Dolan era, and younger reporters carry that shit from older reporters, because that's the people they learn the fucking job from a lot of the time and not it's not saying all the reporters do that shit there's some reporters out there that focus on no, no, i'm not even gonna give them this pass begley's the only one that doesn't do that shit bondi fucking berman you've got fisher kind of insinuating into this piece stein all these fucking scumbag assholes that do nothing but bitch shout out, begley, shout out fred katz my yeah, guys fred katz, yeah fred katz too. all these other fucking assholes that do nothing but bitch and cry and talk about any fucking thing other than basketball, they all fucking suck when it comes to this shit. Like, they, oh, we're just trying to, we want to hold him accountable for the fans. Fuck you. Fuck you. You do not fucking speak for me. I do not need you to ask your bullshit questions that are going, that's what they are. They don't want anything. They want to get, they want to get Leon up there and they just want to ask him, is Tom Thibodeau going to be the coach next year? And he's going to say, yeah, we believe in Tom, blah, 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 blah. They want to get some money quote that whenever the day comes where he fires Tom Thibodeau, they can go back and then they can be like, oh, my God, he stabbed Tom Thibodeau in the back. Like, he backstabbed his longtime friend and fucking business partner and colleague. And all that's all they fucking want. They don't want anything else. They don't want any other information. They just want money quotes that they can go back and then throw in Leonardo Rose's face. They did the same shit. You're like, whatever you think about Phil Jackson, this is exactly what they did with Phil in the beginning. Because he would talk to them all the time and he'd say all of this shit. And then as soon as the season went down, like he gave a quote right before the season, and they were like, What do you think would be a good season? And he said something like, You know, if we make the playoffs, that would be a good season. Which, like, that's not an absurd quote. That's a, like, yeah, if we make the playoffs, it would be a good season. He didn't guarantee the fucking playoffs. He said, yeah, but that's what the, how it got framed. Oh, oh, well, now the Knicks are the worst team in the NBA. Like, what a miserable season. How did this come to this? And it's like, this is why nobody fucking wants to talk to you. This is why I don't fucking want to talk to you. This is why I don't give a shit if nobody in, I don't care if every single executive in all of New York sports decided that the only thing they were going to do was tweet off of their own personal accounts and never fucking talk to the to the media. I would praise all of them because I don't give a shit. You, they don't deserve shit because they are shit. That's what they are. They're all shit.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini it's fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.